0: All right, I want to, uh, we're going to talk this day. We're in a series about faith and we're going to talk today about trust. Just simple trust. And maybe believe we should trust in the Lord. Everybody, amen, so it comes time to do it. Let's talk about trusting in the Lord. (laughs) And we'll talk about that faith always leads to trust. All right, um, if you'll trust me, I want to summarize how this earth began. And uh, we're going to talk about the goodness of God today the goodness of the Lord. It always begins with the goodness of the Lord. All right. You'll find the first words in the Bible are these words in the beginning, God, everything begins with him. What's the fifth word in the beginning, God created, and he is a masterful creator at the core of his being. He's very creative. And all you have to do is get out and look around and you'll see how creative he is. If you want to look, where's the Bible say the first place we should learn about God is not the Bible, certainly not church. Where's the first place you learn about God. Romans one says, you look at nature. You learn about the creator from what he has created. Well, if I didn't know anything about God and I went to the average church, I'm not being unkind. I'd come away thinking I don't care much for him. I'm not being unkind. I just wouldn't think much of him. But if you take me to Victoria Falls and let me watch the sunset or take me to the blue ridge and let me watch the blue haze above the mountains or let me watch the blue bird and the cardinal and let me see a baby smile and you tell me, that, that guy did that. Now I'm impressed. You understand what I'm saying here? That's why the Bible said the first place you learn about him is in creation. In the beginning, God created. And he created and he created and he created for six days. And every day when he got done creating, he said, it is good. It is good. It is good. It's good because he's good. And everything was created. He created the outdoors, the beauty of everything that's out there. And then uh, he created man in his own image. Everything else is by his creative hand. Mankind's the only thing that came out of his heart. Let us make man in our image. What's the first thing on this earth that wasn't good? God himself said it. He said, it is not good that a man should be alone. And the first thing that was not good in this earth was loneliness. And he said, therefore I will make a help meet, help meet. I'll put somebody with him, a wife, a marriage partner." And uh, let me tell you what marriage is all about. It's found in the word helpmate. It's somebody to help you meet the challenges of life. That's what marriage is for. It's not supposed to be a war. We're supposed to help each other. And he created that and he saw that it was good. All right. And then he said to the, that couple, he said to them, what's the first thing the living God ever said to humanity? What's the first word he ever spoke to a person? Does anybody remember? Be fruitful. That didn't mean have children. That was to be multiply part. He said, be fruitful. You know what the word fruitful means? Do well. I give you this entire earth. I give it to you. I've given you a helper. I've given you this. I've, everything's yours. Show me what you can do. It's yours. Be fruitful. Be blessed. I want to make an announcement. The Lord is good. Yes. He's good. Yes. And they had it good. Yes. And they, it was all theirs. And it was this most wonderful life. Now, it's hard for us to imagine this in our, our current condition but they were living in the glory of God at the time. You know what that means? Not only were they not capable of speaking an unkind word to each other, they weren't even capable of thinking anything unkind. That's that's the glory of God. They weren't capable of anything being bad. There was no capability for evil. Everything was wonderful beyond measure. And he saw that it was good. All right. And then all of a sudden something happened and it was not his will. The first thing that was not his will is in Genesis 3 where a deceiver came in and messed things up and it changed the course of human history. All right, you got it? All right, life is good. Let me, let me go back now Genesis 1 and 2. This guy, is, is, everything's perfect. He lives in the most beautiful garden. I'd say he's married to the most beautiful woman in the world. She never wears clothes. Yes or no? They were naked, not ashamed, the Bible says. That wasn't sexual. It just meant there's no put on, there's no pretense, there's no nonsense. Transparency. Perfect. I don't think you could find anything better than Genesis 2. All right. We've certainly come a long way, baby. Genesis 3, everything got messed up. Read with me. In Genesis chapter 3, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Let's learn something right here. The Bible seldom talks about the power of Satan. It's his cunning that gets us in trouble. It's not how powerful he is. It's his ability to talk to us and make us do stupid things. It's his deceptive ability. Cunning means deceptive ability. Which well, the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Time out. How many of you think he knew it had been said? So you already see now he's a, he's a liar. All right. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. We can have anything we want in this garden, but of that one tree, the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it. Don't touch it lest you die. Did, did he say I'll kill you? No, No. he's trying to keep them alive. If I say to my son, don't drink and drive, it'll kill you. Am I wanting to kill him? No, I'm trying to keep him alive. When God said, Don't do that, it'll kill you. He wasn't going to kill him, he's trying to keep him alive. Do you understand this? Let me say again, he is good. All right, let's read further. We'll die. Verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, You will not die. That lying dog. He flat out lied, didn't he? What would you expect from a liar? Jesus said in John 8, 44, excuse me, John 6:44, 8:44. 44, he said, Satan is the father of every lie. You know what that means? Every lie that's ever been told, where did it have its origin? If he's the father of lies, every lie ever told came from him. And Jesus said in that same verse, every time he speaks, it's a lie. That's pretty bad, isn't it? All righty. The woman saw, verse 6, that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree, watch this, to make one look wise. Is he still using that on people today? This will make you look so smart. You want to impress people? He's still using that today. She took of its fruit. She ate. She gave it to her husband. He ate. The eyes of both of them were opened. All of a sudden they became aware of something. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, made themselves coverings. Shame comes into the earth. Now And now the earth is defiled. You can go on to see in the next verses that when God came into the garden, they ran from him. And here we are today. Here we are today. Let me make an announcement. The Lord is good. You can look at Genesis chapter two and say, look how good he is to people who will obey him. Starting in Genesis three through world history. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this verse or not. It's in Romans chapter three. And it says this, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What's what's wrong with sin? It's not that you'll get in trouble. When you sin, it costs you the glorious life he planned for you. That's what it means all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because we weren't designed to live like this. We weren't designed to live, we weren't created to live in fear. We weren't created to live in competition with each other. We weren't created to war. Do you realize that I calculated the other day, 12% of my income goes to war. I'm in a certain tax bracket and that's the percentage of my income that goes to support the military. We weren't designed to pay for war. We're not designed to live in war. We're not designed to hate each other. Hatred is not right. Striving is not right. Being afraid is not right. Shame is not. We weren't created for this. We were created to live in the glory of God. But what happened right there brought us down from the glory into where we are now. You understand that? There's nothing wrong with the king. He's good you want to see what he wanted. It's in Genesis two. All right. You understand that? I'm just trying to point out that the Lord is good. All right. Now let let me teach you one of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn here. A challenge came before humanity in Genesis three and they had to make a decision. And it's the same decision you make every day of your life all day long. And they had to choose. Now listen to me carefully. They didn't have to choose between Jesus and Satan. nobody, Only a fool would you, you know, you have to be from California to do that. All right, there's California, New Jersey. I'll get all kinds of notes this week. Nobody says, I want to follow Satan. That's stupid. It's never between Jesus and the devil. Who's it always between? Jesus and me. It's always between Jesus and me. Satan's work in your life is not to get you to follow him. Satan's great work in your life is to get you to do what you want to do instead of what he wants to do. The battle's never between me and a demon. The battle's between me and the Lord, me and my savior. Go back and read Genesis three sometime. what did he say? You can do better for you than God can. You make the decision and life will be better if you'll do what you want to do. Don't don't do what God wants. God's trying to rip you off. Follow you, not him. That's That's the course of humanity. Every day of your life, it's not about good or bad, it's about you or Jesus. And which one am I going to follow? Which one am I going to listen to? Let me ask you a question in Genesis 3. What was the result of deciding I'll make the decisions? God can't tell me what to do anymore. What was the result? These two people who had never had an unkind word, what's the first thing happened? He turns around and starts criticizing his wife. Division. What did their sons do to each other? Within two chapters, murders in the earth. I tell you, it does not work out when people want to play God. What did Satan say to him? You be God. You run your life. You make the decisions. Don't let God tell you what to do. Don't trust God. He can't be trusted. You can do better than Him. And that is the moral axis that all of humanity flounders on. Obedience or disobedience. Whichever way it wants. Now let me make an announcement. He did not give up. He did not give up. His heart has never changed. He he can't change his heart. I'm going to make an announcement to every person in this room. There is a God. He created you and He wants to be good to you. He's not trying to rip you off. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for He is good and His loving kindness endures forever. He wants to be good to you. Uh, Let me give you the scriptures that He's used through the years to teach me about His goodness. John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that you might have abundant life. He's trying to bring you into an abundant life. Uh, One of the great with Luke chapter 15, a prodigal one day said, you know what? Saying no to dad and yes to me ain't doing me so good. My wife's into crap. Even if I have to obey the old man, I'm going home. Guess what he found? Everything he was looking for. And he found out my dad he should fire me, but he opens the blessings and he's good to me. 2 Samuel chapter 9 is my favorite passage in the Bible. It's where a king named David asked his helper, verse 4, is there anybody, is there anybody you know of that I can show the kindness of God to? Find me somebody I can be good to. He said, There's a, there's a man living in poverty. He is the grandson of the former king. His name is Mephibosheth and he's living in low debar in poverty. He's a mess. David said, Go get him. And they went and got him. Well, Mephibosheth thought he was going to be killed because new kings always kill the former king's families to prevent an insurrection. And he just knew I'm going to be killed. And he brought him and King David said to him, you don't need to be scared of me. He said, I brought you here to be good to you. I give you all the lands of your grandfather Saul. I give you his vineyards, his forests, his cultivated fields. I'm going to give you 35 servants to till the land and to tend your land. They'll bring you the money, but you're not going to need the money. Because today I'm moving you into my house and you will eat at my table every night as one of the king's sons. And he was so overwhelmed. He said, who is this dead dog that you'd be so good to me? Why is that in the Bible? That's not about a king and a pitiful boy. That is a a type and shadow, a picture of the living God. Is there somebody I can be good to? If I could just get him to come to me. Most of us think God's mad at us. He's going to kill me. Let me make an announcement. He's big enough. If he wanted to kill you, you'd be dead. If he wanted to get you, you'd be got. (laughs) He's big. I've heard people say the Lord's in heaven. No, he's not. He's bigger than heaven. Heaven is in God. He said, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Heaven and earth are just his furniture. He's bigger than that. If he wanted to get you, he'd have got you. He's not looking for somebody to get. He's looking for somebody to be good to. Is there anybody I can show the kindness of God to? That's the whole message of the Bible. Matthew chapter 20. If you will trust me and go to work for me, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to pay you. But if you'll trust me, I will be good to you. And the guy went to work for him, not knowing what he was going to pay him. And when it came time to be paid, he was paid 12 times as much as was owed him. And he found out this guy pays 12 times what I'm worth. What's that all about? All through the Bible, picture after picture, after picture of the kindness of God of Him being good to people. Uh, Let me quote to you from Numbers chapter 6. And the Lord said to Moses, tell the priest to speak over the people and say this to the people. Tell them to say to the people, the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face shine on you and be good to you and lift up His countenance on you and keep you safe. And if they will say that over the people, it will set my blessing on them. What would you hear right there? I don't hear somebody's mad at me. I hear somebody's trying to be good to me. All through the Bible, I'm not going to take much more time, but all through the scriptures, you see a man, let me, can I do one more? Of course I can. It's my pulpit. Uh, Psalm chapter 81, verses 13 through 16. Listen to this. If my people would just listen to me, I would crush their enemies. I would feed them with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy them. What do you hear there? I hear the heart of a father saying, I'm looking to be good to somebody. Genesis chapter two shows me that in creation, all he wanted to do is be good to people and give them a chance to, to be blessed beyond measure. I, uh, I, I think I've told you this, but work with me, I'm old. I'm sitting one day just praying quiet. You know, open your Bible, read the scriptures and just be, read real slow and real quiet, and let him talk to you. And I'm reading in Psalm 100, it said, know this, the Lord, he is God, it is he who has made us. And I just stopped and I wrote in red, little red light pen, I wrote why and put a question mark. And I just looked up, I said, well, why did you make us? Have you ever wondered why he created us? Can I ask you a question? How many of you believe what science is teaching right now? That there is no meaning to life. No. You're, you're just a sack of cells. You're just, you're, you're a biological product. There's nobody out there. What you see is what you get. We live, we fight, we struggle, we croak, we rot, that's it. How many of you believe that? Wouldn't that make for a wonderful life? How many believe there is somebody out there? Oh, yeah. How many believe there is a creator? Well, now you know good and well, if he creates something, there has to be a reason. Two great days in your life. Everybody's birthday is the greatest day of their life. One of the great days is the day you were born. The second great day is when you find out why you were born. You know what tragedy would be? Go through your entire life and never find out why you were born. The man created you with a purpose. There's a reason for being alive. And so I, I just asked him, why'd you create us? And he spoke to me and he said, why'd you make your children? Because me and my wife made our children. And I said, I, I'm going to think about that. You know, don't listen, think slowly when you talk to him. So I sat there and I, I'm writing and I meditated. And, and by the next day, I came up with three reasons. How many of y'all have created children? Why'd you do that? Why did you do that? I know certain days when they turn 13, you wonder why you did that. But there was, can I ask you something? A lot of you wanted children. Can I ask you something? Why? So well, ain't that what supposed, folks are supposed to do? You live just doing what folks are supposed to do. There needs to be a reason for we, what we do. All right, I came up with three reasons. I said, number one, I wanted somebody to love. And now I we have our children. Number two, I wanted somebody to be good to. And number three, we created our children hoping, hoping to have a good relationship with them. And I said, that's it. That's the three. I didn't create my children to work for me. If I did, I lost on that one. It was, I created my kids to have somebody to love. I wanted to love them, be good to them and hope for a long-term relationship that we could enjoy. So I went back to him and I said, this is why I created my children. And he said to me, that's why I create children. Why'd he make you? He didn't make you to work for him. You really think he needs, Gabriel, the kingdom's gonna collapse if they don't get up and go to work. Really? Angels can do that. He created you to be good to you, to love you, to be good to you, and ultimately He wants to build a relationship. That's why He created us. All righty, I'm going to ask this question again. I maybe believe we should trust the Lord. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, you do that in church. <laughs> now, the why is very important. Listen to me carefully. Let me tell you where we miss it. Why should we trust Him? If you say, Well, Brother Brown, it's the right thing to do, you missed it. Turn with me to Psalm 118. You missed it. And Psalm 118 is the reason. Psalm 118 is the reason. Uh, now, how many of you know that if you trust, you're going to obey? That's right. How many of you love the O word? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's hard to get. People love the money word, but about the O word. We sing an old song that says, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. If you trust the man, you're going to listen to him. All right. Now, many people say, well, you should do it because it's the right thing to do. I don't think so. Although I would, let me show you why we should trust him. Psalm 118. I believe it's in verse eight. Yep. Verse eight. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Why do I trust the Lord? Do you know what's the word? Better. If you'll trust him, it'll be better. It is the right thing to do, but I trust him because my life will be better if I'll trust him. All right, let's go back to Genesis. All right, when they trusted God, was life better? And when they quit trusting God and started doing what they wanted to do, was life better? No. Then it was just this simple. It is better to trust in the Lord than to trust yourself. If you'll let him make the decisions, it's not the right thing to do. Life will be better. What is a prince? Prince in the Bible means expert. If you'll quit listening to the experts and listen to God, your life will be better. It is better to trust in the Lord. For the simple reason, he's trying to find somebody to be good to. All right, a preacher helped me with this years ago, an older preacher, and I'm a young guy. And I said, I asked him, I said, why didn't God help people more? I mean, if he's so big and he's so good, how come he don't help people more? You know, he could say one word and everything could be fixed. All, all he has to do is just speak and everything's perfect. How come he don't do more? And he said, well, son, what does the Bible teach? And he taught me why God doesn't help people more. And he showed me a church. He said, this church has had a chance to trust him and take a risk and do some things, but they're scared of what people think and they don't want to really follow him. They're good people, but they don't want to really obey him in this area. And then he said these words. I'll never forget. He said, son, he said, God is being as good as he can be to them. He's being as good to them as they'll let him be to them. Let me make an announcement to every person in this room. He wants to be good to you in a way you couldn't imagine. He's being as good as he can be to you as far as you trust him. He can't be any gooder to you than you trust him. Your trust determines how good he is to you, but he wants to be good. But this is just the simple truth. All right, what's the first lie ever told in the earth and it's still the greatest lie ever told. Does anybody know? You can do better for you than God can. You can do better for you than he can. That's the first lie ever told in Genesis three and it's the lie still being told today. How are we doing with that in our land? All right. All of your life, every moment, every day, you get to make decisions. That's right. yeah. How many decisions do you make in a day? A bunch. do right, I want to ask you questions. See if you know the Bible. See if you know what Jesus said. Anywhere in the Bible did Jesus say, straighten up your life and quit smoking and be good? Okay. What did Jesus say to everybody he calls? Anybody know? Two words. What did he always say? Anybody know? Yes, it's North Carolina. I don't want to make nobody else mad today. Follow me. Was that not what he said to everybody? The first person he ever called, he didn't say, you should be ashamed of yourself, clean your life." He said, just follow me. The second person he called, follow me. He always said, follow me. Now I'm fixing to go deep and ask you a question. Can you follow two people at one time? No. All right, now think about it. Think about it. Because some of you seem to have mastered it. Think about it. Can you follow two people at one time? No. I can't follow Jesus. It's not about following the devil. I can't follow Jesus and me. So my decision is always, every day, every decision, every moment, Jesus or me? Jesus or me? What did Jesus say? Follow me. All right, here, here's, the, here's the catch. I want you to look at one of the strangest verses in the Bible with me. It's the one where people get off the boat. In Mark chapter 8. I always wondered if he's so good, how come he doesn't help more people? Well, the answer is in Mark chapter 8. Uh, now, this morning, let me make an announcement. I'm not talking about the Jesus of the American church that just, you know, he wants a little time on the weekend and a few dollars. I'm talking about the Jesus of the Bible who wants more than that. I want you to see what he said. How, how do we, what, what am I trying to say here? How do we justify the words you're fixing to read with the American version of Christianity? See if they fit. Mark chapter eight, look what Jesus said. All right, up until then, he'd fed people, he'd healed people, been good to people. And he said to them, all right, guys, now it's time to make a decision. Mark chapter eight, verse 34, Mark 8, 34. He called the people to himself, Mark eight thirty-four with his disciples. And he said to them, whoever desires to come after me. How many of you want to follow Jesus? Yeah. All right, watch what he said. Whoever desires to come after me, let him do what? Does it say deny Satan does it say deny jump? No, it says deny who? Deny me. You mean I have to say no to me to follow Jesus? Man, Lord Jesus, this is getting a little tough. You think that's tough, look at the next one and let him do what? Take up his cross. Take up his cross. All right, this is one of the most abused verses in the Bible and preachers have boogered it up at times where people say, it's my cross to bear. No, it's not. So, you know, I've had people say, I got cancer. I guess it's my cross to bear. That's malignant, stupid. That's just dumb. Read the Bible. A fellow told me one time, my mother-in-law has moved in with us. I guess it's my cross to bear. No, dumb is you let her move in. You shouldn't have never done that. Was, you, you don't drag a cross. It's not something in your life. That's just dumb. All right, listen to me. What do you do with a cross? Does anybody know? You die on it. You don't drag the sucker around, you die on it. What did Jesus mean, take up the cross? Die. My beloved brother Paul said this, I challenge you, I die daily. Every day of my life, I get up, I have to make a decision. Live to Jesus, die to me. Because guess what? Can't follow two people. I can't follow me and Jesus. And in every decision I make, I'm going to follow one of two people. I'm either going to do what I want to do, or I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to. Jesus wants me to do. Can't have two people driving. One of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. this is this is dumb day. One of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. A bumper sticker said this: "God is my co-pilot." That is stupid. Let me make an announcement. He ain't doing no co-pilot stuff. If you look over again, you'll find out that's a mannequin. That ain't the real Jesus. Jesus don't do co-piloting. The American Jesus might, but the Jesus of this Bible don't. You know what the Jesus of this Bible says? Get out from behind the wheel, get in the trunk and lock it. I'm driving. And I'm not telling you where we're going. That's what it means to die to self and follow him. This American Christianity that it it don't flush with the God of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible says, take up your cross. All right, then what comes after that? Let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. Dear ones, I can't follow Jesus till I nail me to the cross. I can't follow Jesus till I say no to me. And here, now you say, okay, okay, brother Brian, you, this don't sound good. Oh, no, 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 look, look right here. Look right here. He is good. Oh, yeah. nah. This is the only way to find what you're really looking for. True. Amen. This is the only way to get back to the garden. Yes. It's through the cross. All right, let me show you how this works practically in my day-to-day life. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter three. This is how you do it on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, all day long. We sound so spiritual in church, but it needs to work on Monday and Tuesday. It needs to work when when you want to get in an argument with your wife. This Jesus stuff needs to work in the house. This Jesus stuff needs to work in traffic. This Jesus stuff needs to work when your boss is an idiot at work. This Jesus stuff needs to work when your child comes home looking like a druid. Look it up. All right, Proverbs chapter three. Let me ask you a question. Is Proverbs chapter three in the Bible? I wanted to make sure before we read it. Verse five, trust. What's the word? Trust Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Can you do both? You can tell by the text, you can't do both. Here's how it works out. Verse six, in all your ways, what? What's the Hebrew word all mean? All right, what if I were to in everything I do, I trust God and acknowledge him in everything. And I say to him, you make the decision. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What's the next words? He'll tell you what to do. What if I make a decision in everything I do, I'm going to die to self. I'm not going to decide. I'm going to let him decide. What's that going to look like? All right, let's, let's talk for a second about this. What if I decide that I'm not going to think like I want to think anymore? Nobody telling me how to think. Hang on, doc. Hang on. How is thinking the way you've been thinking doing you? Amen. That's right. What if you were to say, Lord Jesus, tell me how to think. You are Lord of my thought life. All right, let me just tell you this, what the Bible says about if you'll let him be the Lord of your thought life. Romans chapter eight says this. The mind yielded to the spirit of God is life and peace. What's everybody looking for in this nation? People are upset. They're afraid. They're tore up. They're aggravated. They're mad. You know what that tells me? You're thinking like you want to think instead of like he wants you to think. You've not embraced the cross in your thought life yet. Now, let me make an announcement. I like peace. I like being at rest. I like not worrying. I like not being afraid. I like being alive. You know where that comes from? Jesus is Lord. I cannot do better in my thought life for me than he can. He said, brother, brother, I don't mind giving a few dollars going to church, but you're getting all up in my business. Oh, we ain't even start good yet. What if I were to take this tongue right here and say, Lord Jesus, this tongue is your tongue from now on. I'm going to talk like you want me to talk. What if in all my words I acknowledged him and said, you tell me what to say and you tell me what not to say? He said, but I wouldn't get to say what I want to, for which we all give thanks. <laughs> what if you were to just surrender your tongue and say, Jesus is Lord of my tongue? What if you got your tongue on the cross? A buddy of mine years ago, he told me he had a woman in his church, she could not stop talking and she did more damage than Sutton's army. And he said, we was in revival and she got the feeling she said, "Preach, I just want to put my tongue on the altar. He said, I couldn't help it. He said, I told her, I said, lady it's 40 feet long. <laughs> Get all you can up there. But what if you really just said, Jesus is Lord of my tongue. Yes. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that which imparts grace that it might build up the hearers. Yes. What if rivers of living water flowed out of your mouth instead of junk? Do you think your life would be better if, listen, it is not, it's not right, it's better. Do you think your life would be better if Jesus took over your speech? Or it would be better if you decide what to say? Mm-hmm. No question. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let's, get, let's have a little more fun. <clears throat> Has anybody here been done wrong? Ever? Man, y'all are blessed. I get crapped on all the time. <laughs> Probably will tomorrow this, this, after today. Um. right, you got to make a decision when somebody does you wrong. You can say, God bless you. Lord bless them. Let them get a raise at business. Nobody owes me a dime. God bless you. You can love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Or, and, but no, we're Christians. We're not going to hit them or nothing. We're not going to cuss them out because we're Christians. Down inside of here. You got to make a decision. Am I going to do what I want to do about it? Or am I going to do what he says to do about it? Do you think your life will be better if you do what he says to do or if you do what you want to do? He is better. The Lord is good. In, in every... What if in all our ways? What about relationships? What if you said to Jesus, don't mess with my friends. What if he messed with your friends big time? What if he connected your relationships? What if you were to say, take over, Lord Jesus, run my life. Would it be better or would it be worse? Better, better to trust in the Lord. Um, how about your business? Your job? What if he ran it? Let, let's, let's have some fun. How about your money? That's oh, yeah. what I thought I'd get. We talk about money. Get like the Mississippi River at the wintertime. We get froze up at the mouth and you start talking about money. <laughs> it was, what if you were to say, it's not my money, it's your money. Tell me what to do. You say I'd go broke if I trusted God. <laughs> How you doing with you running it? Yeah. Money is the one area that's why the Bible says so much about money. So you want them preachers trying to get my money. I don't need your money. Money is this thing that holds us. True. But what if you were to die to self over your money and say, Lord Jesus, that's your money. I'm gonna do what you tell me to do with it. Good. What do you think would happen? You think you'd go broke? Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Only place in the Bible you'll find these words, test me, which means trust me. Yes. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so that there's not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer Hallelujah. for your sake and nothing will be able to touch what I give you. True. I'm not, please listen carefully to what I'm fixing to say. I'm not gonna say that people are dumb. I'm gonna say that something is dumb. Listen to me. It is dumb not to tithe. Right. It's, it's not the right thing to do. It's the better thing to do. And it's not the great test of trust. Robert Morris, pastor of Gateway Church, one of the great churches in our nation. And uh, Robert did something recently that's just wild. His church did it. His church offered a money back guarantee to everybody that went to church there. They did. They published it, said, here's what we're going to do. If you come to this church and you tithe for a year, And uh, God does not work a miracle in your life. You send us a note. We'll mail you back every dime. And he guaranteed the tithe. He said, how come you don't do that? I don't have to. Somebody bigger than me's done it. But Robert's led this nation in being blessed. And I just want to point something out to you. He said, years ago, he said, I wasn't a pastor. I was an evangelist. And I traveled. I was a Baptist minister. I did revivals in churches. He said, said, Debbie and I were just starting out. I went to this church to do revival. And on the last night, I think it was Friday night, we got done and the pastor gave me a check, an offering for being there that week. And a group, they invited, a group of people invited me and my wife to go eat pizza with them. And I think there was 15 or 16 in the group. And he said, I got that check and I was thankful because we needed it. And all of a sudden he said, I felt really impressed of the Lord to give that money away. They'd had a a visiting uh, preacher from the Philippines very poor. And he talked about what he was trying to do in the Philippines. And he said, I felt very strongly impressed to give that money to that preacher because he needed it. And he said, he said, I didn't want to do it. there anything wrong with not wanting to do something. He said, I didn't want to do it. He said, number one, he said, we needed that money. He said, we were just starting out. We gonna we use that money to pay bills. And he said, I hated telling my wife I gave the bill money away. And he said, but I really sensed it was the Lord. And then I tried to ignore it a little bit. Let me make an announcement. He's too big to ignore. He'll just step over here. And he said, it just stayed on me. And I just realized this is God impressing me to do this. So he said, I signed it. And I went to that little guy from Filipino guy. And I said to him, I'm going to give you this. This is my, I'm going to give it to you under one condition. Nobody finds out about this. So he gave it to him. And the guy was so excited. He hugged his neck, said, thank you so much. And he said, so I leave to go meet him at this pizza place. He said, I'm sort of bummed now because I just gave the rip money away. I'm of you know sometimes when you trust God, there'll be a test. Yes. Angels don't come down and take you by the elbow and say, oh, good things go after you. That ain't how it works. And he said, I was sort of down and I really hated telling my wife. That's why I let her ride to somebody else. I said, you just go ahead. I'll be there in a little bit. He said, so I get to the restaurant. I, they pit me at the end. Oh, they put these tables together, shotgun, 15, 16 people. I'm sitting on this end. She's sitting on that end. And we're sitting there, and I didn't know some of the people. And he said, um, you know, I'm sort of down. I'm still down about giving my money away. And in your mind, there's this battle. What if that wasn't God? What if that wasn't him? There was nobody hears like a loudspeaker. He said, what if that wasn't him? And he said, I'm going to look like an idiot. How many of you know the enemy will get in your head and you try to trust God yeah. over every area? He said, all of a sudden, the guy beside me right here gets up to go to the bathroom or somewhere and a, a distinguished looking businessman, well-dressed, gets up and comes sits beside me right here. I didn't know him. Introduced himself and he said, uh, he leaned over with nobody cared. He said, uh, where, where's the check that they gave you tonight? And he said, I didn't want him to know I'd given it to anybody. So I said, my wife's got it. <laughs> he said, I just flat lied to the guy. because <laughs> He said, I, wasn't being, I just didn't want anybody to know what I'd done. And he said, my wife's got it. And he said, uh, he leaned over, he said, you're lying. (laughs) He said, I'm ill. And then I thought, well, you did lie. And the guy leaned over and he said, you gave it away. You gave it to that fellow from the Philippines. He said, it was for $900, wasn't it? And I asked him, I said, how'd you know that? He said, the spirit of God told me you did. it." And he said, I have a word from God for you personally. He said, God's going to teach you about giving and trusting him so you can teach it to the body of Christ so that my people can be blessed through the coming recession. Wow. And he said, he's going to start teaching you tonight. And he reached in his pocket, he pulled out a check that was folded up, put it in my pocket and he said, I'll be praying for you. God bless you. And walked off. And he said, I'm sitting now. He said, number one, I'm bad because I get, feel bad I gave my money away. Now I'm lying. The preacher just got done preaching the revival and <laughs> sat here and lied to a businessman and <laughs> He said, fortunately, I hadn't preached online that week. <laughs> and he said, so we get in the car to go home and I tell my wife, her name's Debbie. So I told her what I did. She said, Robert, why'd you lie to him? He said, I don't know. He said, I, he said, I, now I'm double boomed.' <laughs> he said, I get home. He said, I walk in the bedroom and, I'm, and I'd almost forgotten about that check because I'm so mad at myself, the preacher lying. And he said, I pulled out the check and it was a personal check from the businessman to me made out for $90,000 a 100% return, a 100 fold return on what I'd given. And he said, God began to teach me to trust him, Amen. trust him. And of course he wrote the book, The Blessed Life. And he has taught the body of Christ how to trust God with finance. L- listen to your preacher who loves you. You better learn how to trust God with your money because of what's coming in this nation. Right. True. And you're going to have to trust him. But let me make an announcement. He is good. This nation is going into a deep recession. Yeah. Yes. Heaven is not going into a recession. No. No. Heaven is not broke. No. You know why I love for this kind of stuff to happen? A lot of people think God is good. I want you to find out by experience how good he is.
1: Right. Amen.
0: My God shall supply all your need, not according to the S&P index, according to his riches in glory. He is never broke. I want y'all to see the miracles of God, but you don't see them until you trust Him. Yes. What if we trusted Him in every, every single area? every area? All right, I got I to help you. I got to do a disclaimer. Are you ready? If you trust Him, there's always going to be a catch if you trust the God of heaven. You know what the catch is? You're going to look smarter than Him. Oh, don't sit here and look at me like that. He has this way of asking us to do things that don't look right just to see if we'll trust Him. You want an example? Yep. Ask me how many times I've seen this happen. A young lady in my church, I'll teach young ladies and young men in my church, do not pick out who you're gonna marry. Yes. How's that doing us? <laughs> you let God pick them out. Uh-huh. I told you my story, I'm in college, time for a wife. I'm scared spitless to ask him because I thought, what if he gives me a preacher's wife? <laughs> I'm serious, I'm just young. I didn't know nobody taught me this stuff. I could just see me married to some woman They wanted to stay home and play an organ all the time and had these cat-eye glasses that went like this and never wanted to kiss. Can I get a witness? Our religion has really screwed us up. All right. He, he, He overrode my stupidity. He's been good to me. And so many times in my ministry, young girls in my church come up and they have found Bubba the Beautiful. And they're they're like a like a Christmas light. They're so lighted up over Bubba the Beautiful. And he, he's just, he, I mean, they write songs about this boy preacher. And they're, they're just about to pee in their britches over Bubba. And they have found the man of their dreams. Their white knight has yada, 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 yada. Uh. All right. So Bubba walks in the room and with the gift of discernment that I have, she sees Prince Charm and I see a snake in the grass. I can smell this stuff. That's what the gift of discernment is. I can see, I see a Trojan horse and I know that as soon as he gets in the city, boogers is coming out of the belly. I just, I see hell by the half acre for this poor girl if she yokes up with this mule. You don't get race horses out of mules, you get jackasses out of mules is what you get. I can see it, I can smell it. It's just clear. It's like neon light over top of him. Idiot, idiot. idiot. I can just see it. But she can't see it. And I say to her, I get her this. I've gotten the girls side and said, listen to me, run from him. That's right. yeah. This boy will hurt you. And all of a sudden they're smarter than God and the preacher and everybody else. Yeah. And those emotions and all that. And now she's mad at me. So her, she rides off. She don't ride up on no steed to no palace. She rides off in a jacked up truck to a double wide with Bubba. Five years later, 10 years later, her life's a living hell. I don't, and you feel so sorry for him. Why would you not trust God? Did did you not, did you think he was going to hurt you? You didn't know the Lord was good? Why don't we just trust him with stuff? And uh, dear ones, let me quote to you the verse that is the harbinger of our nation right now, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that looks right to a man, but the end result is destruction. That's the story of our nation right now. Your heavenly father will allow it to look so good, but in the end it will collapse. Now, let me teach you something about the ways of my father and your father. You have a decision to make and you, you want to do this and he wants this. He, and he says no. No. He's not Mr. No, he's Mr. Good. And he only says no if he has to. All right, parents, listen to me. <clears throat> One of the greatest lessons I ever learned about child rearing, don't say no too much. Only say no when you have to, if you can say yes. That's good. That's free. All right. <clears throat> so the father, we're looking and the father says, no. And see, we get mad because he don't come down and say, well, let me explain it to you and show you a video of the future. He don't do that stuff. He just says, no.
1: That's
0: it. And now you got to trust him. Yes. Everything inside of you want to go this way. Him saying, no, go this way. This is where we find out what trust is. Right. This is where we find out. Uh, let, let, me, uh, let me help you. He don't show you what's behind door number three till you make the commitment to obey. You've got to learn this, there ones. Amen. It, this is what, tr- if, it, if you could see what was coming, it wouldn't be trust. That's it. You don't need to trust what you see. All right, he taught me this. God speaks to me through things that happen in life. He does you too. Let's learn how to listen to him. I'm a kid. <clears throat> it used to be a show called Let's Make a Deal. Anybody yeah. remember? I said about over 101 members of that stuff. All right, Monty Hall would say, Let's make a deal. And the people, you'd, he'd come out and just make deals with people. And as the show went on, the deals got bigger. So me and my grandmother used to watch it together. She lived with us. And watching him one day, and Monty Hall comes in. The first deal he makes is a lady you can tell she's from the country. <clears throat> I don't know how I knew that. She's just from the country. And he says, I'll give you this new toaster for a comb. So she digs through her pocketbook, she finds that comb, and he gives her a new toaster, and she is happy. Now, that doesn't do much for you today. This is 1965, Bubba. Toaster was a big deal back when we were driving Model A's. This was a big deal back then. She got this toaster and he makes all this and he comes back at the end to her and he says, I'll make a deal with you. He says, I'll give you what's behind curtain number three for that toaster. And and she's thinking about it. I'm watching her. And I saw her knuckles tight turn white on that toaster. I said, she's not gonna do it, Grandma. Grandma says, shut up and listen. My grandma used to say to me, if you'd be quiet, you'd learn something because you already know everything you know. And uh, I saw her do that. I knew she wasn't going to give it up. She said, no. He said, you sure? Now, listen to me. Listen to me. You don't get to see what's behind the door until you give up the toaster. Right. Hey, oh. wow. And once it's over, you can't go back. No. Man. All right. She says, no. And he, he, he's trying to get her to take it. Sure. All right. She says, you, come on, guys. Uh, behind a curtain. All right. She says, no. And of course, you know what happens then. Last thing on the show. He says, sure, what's behind the curtain? And the curtain pulls back, and that guy goes, a new car. And there's a Buick automobile sitting on a turntable going round and round. I then make an announcement Toasters are good. <laughs> they ain't even close to a Buick. Man. And the camera turns around, and it shows this lady. And you can see that her love of that toaster has diminished greatly <laughs> since she saw what loving that toaster cost her. Later in life, the Holy Spirit told me, he said, that, that's life right there, son. Yes,
1: sir.
0: That's what it means to trust God. You got your little thing that you want so much and you're so proud of. And I come to you and I say, let me lead. Let me tell you what to do. Follow me. And we go, show me what's out there. And he goes, it don't work like that. You got to trust me. And we hold onto that little toaster, our little thing, our little life. And we won't turn it loose because you know why we don't turn stuff loose? Because we don't have a deep revelation of the goodness of God. We, didn't, we don't know how good He is. If you knew how good He was, you'd say, toaster, hat, belt, you have everything I got. And can I ask you a question? How many behind the curtain number threes have you missed wanting to do your thing instead of trusting in the Lord with all your heart? Okay. I'm sorry. didn't mean to make you mad. It don't matter. You can still hear me, which is the best part of me, anyway. Good gosh, I'm mad <laughs> Take my word for it. That, that wasn't in the show. That ain't planned. Like you, you now you you just said right. Some of you just said my life's not bad. Please listen to me. If you run your life and you make all the decisions, your life might be terrible or it might be good, but it will never be what it could have been, wow. had you given him the toaster. Some of you are pretty smart. Some of you are pretty good people. You got a, you know, you've got a good background. You're raising a good family. You, you're just smart. And you can build a pretty good life. Not close to what he could do for you. That's right. You know, the hard, it's, it's easy to give up living in a ditch under a bridge on crack for something better. Well, the hardest things you'll ever do is give up the good for the best. All right. Okay. You know, let me, let me kill religion again. Well, we have to suffer here so we can have something later. Hogwash. God have mercy. Mark chapter 10, a young man comes to Jesus. We don't know his name. He's simply called the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he said, I want more out of life. There's something, I want more in life. And Jesus said, tell me about your life. He said, I'm a devout Jew. I go to church every Sunday. I've never broken the 10 commandments. So you got a guy who keeps the 10 commandments. He's active in his church. And Jesus said to him, "The Jesus, this Bible said to him, that's not enough. He said, if you want more in life, he said, I want you to go home, sell everything you got. Right. Set, liquidate your entire everything. Quit what you're doing and you come walk with me. Yes. So much for the American Jesus who wants some peanuts on the weekend. Right. Oh, yeah. And the Bible said, the man said, I'd be glad to go to church. I'd be glad to be good to people and keep the 10 commandments. That's too much for me. Oh, yeah. And the Bible said he walked off sad. Yes. Wow. And the Bible said, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then Jesus turned to his friends and he said, it's very hard for people to enter the kingdom and blessing of God, for a rich man to do it. And then Simon, you've got to love Simon. He spoke and said, I did it. He said, I gave up everything I had for you. And he did. He walked off from his business. He gave up all his friends. Simon abandoned everything to follow Jesus. And he just said, I, I did it. And listen to what Jesus said. Those of you who think you only get it in heaven, listen to what Jesus said. Nobody. And when Jesus says nobody, he means Nobody. Nobody who has given up homes, businesses or relationships for me and my kingdom that will not receive a hundred times back in this life and in eternity, eternal life. Now you take that verse right there. Jesus said, if you'll sell all and you surrender everything and you give up everything and follow me and trust me, you'll get a hundred times as much in this life and eternity too. Let me make an announcement. Please don't be offended. It's just dumb not to follow Jesus. It's not the right thing. It's the smart thing. You know my story. I came from a background that was terrible. I was a criminal. I was goofed up. And as best I could, I followed Jesus. And it has not been perfect because I've missed it. But I'm telling you, the man has blessed me beyond measure. Because I've tried the best I could to trust him and do what he says in every, every single thing in life. All right, let me quit by saying this. You say, well, I'll do it. I want to follow Jesus. I want him to take over. I want to die to self and follow Jesus. Okay, how, do I, how will I know what to do, Brother Brian? All right, that's a great question. It's very, the answer is very simple. Really, things are simple when you just want to follow him. There's two verses that apply to the person who decides to follow Jesus. Number one is Psalm 119, 105 that says this, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you decide to follow Jesus, his word will show you which way to go. It is the light that shows you the path. All right, let's let's play for a minute here. Somebody makes me mad, I want to slap them naked. (laughs) I'm I'm so mad I could just knock their lights out. Do I need to pray about that? Or do I need to simply ask, what does the Bible say? Y'all are acting like you don't know what it would say. What's the answer, Doc? (laughs) What does the Bible say? Turn the other cheek, forgive your enemies. God bless you, don't owe me a dime. How many of you can bless people and love them with your mouth while you're burning on the inside? That's not hypocrisy, that's faith. All right, I'm just picking any area. Most of the decisions we make are covered in this book. The American church has got to get back to the Bible. All right, what about the things that are not in this book? Because some things are not in there. Should I marry beautiful Bubba or not? There's, There's no yay or nay in that Bible. Now, if you're an idiot, it says don't marry him. You should know that. But how do you know stuff that's not in the Bible? John seven seventeen. If any man wants to do my will, he will know the teaching. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Commit your way unto Him, and He will direct your paths. Listen to me. When He sees a heart that wants to obey Him, He'll get the Word to you. If you'll wait and trust Him, He'll show you what to do. He can lead our lives in every area. And, and it's just one of those things where it, it just works. He wants to bring you back to the garden, and I've always wondered why didn't he do more for people. Here's the answer right here: Faith will always trust God. Listen, trust is his thing; he loves it. My kids are little; we go to the pool, and uh, y'all ever you've done this before? Kids, just little tiny things got them wings, water wings on. You that know, don't help you float; just chafes your ribs is all it does. And they're out there, and I'm down in the water, and I say, I say, come on, come on, jump out here, to daddy. And they, you know, they want to, but. That's nervous. What if he don't catch me? Yeah. What kind of daddy would stand back and say, hi, drowned sucker? <laughs> you, <do that. laughs> you, you want them to jump so you can show them. I'll catch you. This is fun. Come on. And I'd watch them, you know, they're, you know how they are, two, three years old, and they finally jump and you catch them, and you just what a picture of the goodness of God. Yes. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna quit by telling you my wrestling story one more time. You say, Do you have to tell that again? Until you start living it, I'm gonna keep telling it. Besides, I'm old. Old people can repeat stuff. He teaches me things through listen, we should learn to listen to God in the situations of life. Right. Amen. The the Bible will teach you about him, but if you'll listen as you go through life, he'll teach you things through life. Does the Bible teach that? Sure it does. You remember there's a guy named Jeremiah one day, and the father spoke to him and said, Go stand at the potter's house. I want to talk to you. So he went to the potter's house. He just walked in the door, just leaned. And he's watching the potter work. And the potter's making a pot. He just he said, what's this got to do with God in the potter's house? He's watching him work and he's making a pot and he gets messed up. So he just mashes it all together and starts over and makes another pot. He's watching. All of a sudden he hears the voice of God and he says, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands. And even when things get messed up, I don't throw you away. I start over and I'm able to sculpt beautiful things out of your mess. We need to learn to listen to the things of life around it. Let him speak to us through the things of life. This is how Jesus talked. He'd be standing with a group of people and there'd be a vineyard. He'd say, I'm the vine, y'all are the branches. He speaks through the things of life. One of the greatest lessons he ever taught me about his goodness. I'm 14, 15 years old, because I knew I wasn't driving yet. My best buddy lived in an apartment complex through the woods behind our neighborhood. I'd go over and hang around with him. He'd come see me. He had a Volkswagen, the old, the old, old, old Herbie Volkswagens. Anybody remember them? old Herbie Volkswagens? And uh, we'd, we'd run together. Well, a couple apartments down from him lived a wrestler named Johnny Weaver. Wrestling started in Charlotte at the Park Center. And Mr. Weaver was a famous wrestler. My grandma always watched wrestling. Pulled the chair right up to the, right up to the screen and she'd watch it. And I'd have to adjust the rabbit ears so that she could, you younger people don't understand that. I'd have to get, to, I had rabbit ears and had tinfoil on the top. So you'd get some reception and she'd say, no, to the right, to the, to, take it to the left. And then you finally had come in. Y'all have come a long way today. And we'd watch wrestling from the park center. And of course we'd see Johnny Weaver on TV and then he's living next door to me. So anyway, we're watching this old Volkswagen one day, getting ready to go somewhere one evening. And uh, Mr. Weaver pulls up parks in his space, and he's getting out. He's going into the apartment. He says, y'all wash mine when you get done. And he goes in. Well, we get down. I said, Let's wash his car. He said, We ain't got time. I said, Wash that man's car. You want to be able to tell your grandchildren you wash Johnny Weaver's car? Yeah. And they're going to go, Who the heck is that? <laughs> so we went over and washed his car. It got done. We went off, did our thing. All right, we came out the next morning. His car was gone. And we got in that boat. That boat's to had a racing steering wheel in it, which is hilarious because they wouldn't go 40 miles an hour back then. <laughs> but it had spokes in it. And in the spoke on that wheel, a $10 bill was rolled up and stuck in there. He'd put that in there. And I see that doesn't do, I can see I don't do nothing for y'all does it? Doc, it's 1973. You know what $10 was in 1973? I was lunch for both of us at McDonald's. All the beer we could drink in a day. I know I was underage. It was a different world back then. And all the arcade tickets two boys could use in a day. That was heaven on earth, $10. We had the best time that day. All right. We get back that evening. His car is sitting in his parking space. I got out of the car. I made a beeline for his door. Knocked on the door. he came to the door. I said, thank you. I said, we got the money. Thank you so much. He said, well, you boys did a good job. I said, uh, before you go, you need your trash taken out? Would you, would you like your floor vacuumed? How about your windows? Do your windows need washing? I was wanting that man to ask me to do something. You know why? Because I'd find out how much he pays when he asks you to obeys. That ain't proper English, but that's great preaching right there. I found out how good that man was to people that will listen to him. And how many times has the father said to me, who you think's better, me or Johnny Weaver? If that man will be that good to you for just obeying what he asks, what do you think I'd do if you would trust me and do what I ask you to do? And in all your ways, acknowledge me and let me direct your paths. Are you with me? Your life should be so much better than it is. True. The psychic hotline is not the way to get there. <laughs> Trusting in the Lord with all your heart yes, sir. and saying, You make the decisions. True. I don't care how I feel, you tell me what to do. I'll, I'll do this. Brother Robert gives everybody a money back guarantee on their tithe, and I ain't going to do that. That's between you and Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, You obey God, your life don't go up. I'll quit preaching. You will never trade down with this great king. You're right. Because he's good. Father, I just, Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you for your goodness today. More than I want for anything, anything for these people, more than anything else, I want them to know that I want a revelation of the goodness of the Father. Uh, this religious beast that has painted this picture of an angry God, a wizard of the odd, wizard of oz type guy that's just looking to catch somebody. I pray in Jesus' name, I I rebuke the stronghold of religion that paints you as an angry father. And I, I pray in Jesus' name, I believe you for a revelation of the goodness of God. To the point to where we see how good you are, we would jump at the chance to let you run everything. And that we would embrace the cross, die to self, and follow Jesus. Lord Jesus, I, I just I thank you and praise you. I was deceived for so many years under a harsh taskmaster. But I praise you that you're just good. Everybody that decided to follow you traded up with you. And I thank you that you're that good. Lord Jesus, the fact that everybody in this nation does not hit their face every morning and say, tell me what to do, reveals the great deception that's on this nation. Right. And I thank you that you can do it better than I can. I just want to make an announcement, Lord Jesus, you better than I am at this stuff. And you're not going to be my co-pilot. You're going to drive and I am locked in the trunk till Jesus gets back. And I thank you and praise you for your goodness. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.